You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. The idea that when we talk about being selfish, it does have this negative connotation to it. And it does inspire guilt and make people feel bad around it. And so I really wanted to just talk about how we can start making these lifestyle changes so that we can unload this burden that we carry to have to take care of everyone else. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Pause on the Play. As always, it's amazing to see you here where you are reminded to examine your beliefs, question your predisposed notions, and consider realities you may be unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here to get the dialogue going. So today's podcast addresses something that I would not have thought to put together so eloquently, and yet at the same time, I'm 150% here for and have had my own little ways of doing it. And yet I'm going to take this as an opportunity and a prompt to do it more. And it is the case for being selfish. And the thing that I really want you to pick up here in the conversation that I'm having with Moquetta is that selfishness is actually a good thing and that it needs to be incorporated into our lifestyles in order to support the work that we are designed and purposed to do. The things that we want to do, the things that we need to do, the types of changes that we want to create, it cannot happen pouring from an empty cup, pouring from a cracked, chipped, broken cup, realizing that we don't have a cup. We just have, it's just sitting in our hands and it's just leaking everywhere. We have to figure out how to fill ourselves. And like, I, I could not have asked for a better guess for this because Marquetta just laid this out in such a beautiful way. So I am going to be having a conversation today with Dr. Marquetta Sims. She is a licensed psychologist, yoga and meditation teacher, and the CEO and founder of the Worth, Wisdom, and Wellness Center in Atlanta, Georgia. She is EMDR trained and a certified clinical trauma professional. Foundationally, she approaches therapy from a person-centered perspective, filtered through multicultural social justice and empowerment lenses, and believes in a holistic model of treatment. She specializes in helping Black women heal from trauma, develop a healthier sense of self, and enhance their overall wellness. Seriously, the conversation was amazing. And the way that she laid out what it is 
to be selfish and what it can do for you and those around you, I, I need you to hear it. I need you to hear it. So I'm going to stop talking because I need you to hear this conversation. Without further ado. So this is a conversation that I think is never had often enough. And so I am here for having it at all times on all platforms, every chance I get. So therefore, today we're going to start this process and we're going to have this conversation again, y'all. So don't think this is going to be the only time it's going to come up because it's honestly, to me, it's one of those things that impacts you and you don't even realize it impacts you and it impacts people around you and you just don't even know because we internalize it. And so I'm extremely excited to have Marquetta here with me to have this conversation. Hello, Marquetta. Hello, hello. I am so, uh, what you just said just revitalize me all over again. I am so excited to be having this conversation with you. So thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. So the first, b- before we even get into the the case for being selfish, okay. I want to first just kind of talk about the word because I feel like it could very easily just be vilified or assumed to be something that it isn't. So I would love for you to start off by sharing what it is that you mean when you are using the term selfish. Yes, absolutely. One of the reasons that I feel so passionate around this topic and around that word specifically is it has a terrible connotation. And even when you actually look at like the Webster's dictionary definition of it, it sounds horrible. But when I think about being selfish, I think of it as pouring into yourself so fully and so completely on a regular and daily basis, prioritizing yourself in a way that you feel filled up and you have reserves so that you're able to pour back into other people and give back to other people from a place of nourishment and wholeness and fullness that is actually cheerful and is actually a way of giving that isn't rooted in resent, bitterness, guilt, contempt. But it's really from, I am so full Um, I'm so nourished. I am so well taken care of myself that I have no other choice than from my overflow to be able to give back to others. Who child, I gave me all the chills. (laughs) Oh boy, that, I I want that. Cause I, and the, the interesting part is as you said it, it fully lit me up. And yet (laughs) it also hit that nerve of like, child, it lit you up because you ain't never been there. You don't Mm -hmm. know what it is. And I was like, I was like, oh. That thing. And it, it, so the interesting thing, I think, and hopefully this makes sense. So follow me on this. What part of what really hit me, I think about myself personally, and I think that there's a lot of people that can identify with this is that when we talk about that, that overflow, which Uh when you use that word, it reminded me of a visual that I had seen of how we can't pour from an empty cup. Yes, yes. And so it made me think like there is this concept of, you know, being so full and and, and being so abundant in this way and overflowing. But what happens if we're not even recognizing that we can't overflow mm-hmm. because our cup is broken? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Broken, empty, leaking out on the sides. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That. What do you think especially because I think during during the pandemic, a lot of us uh-huh. are having to truly acknowledge where we have cracks in our cups uh-huh. because we're not able to hold even what we do have. And so, yeah. you know, if someone is is like me in this place of realizing, like I am consciously working on 
fixing the cracks in my cup, a.k.a. I need a new cup because I don't know whose <laughs> cup you left over here. <laughs> exactly. This is not my cup. It's a whole new cup. <laughs> right. Because I feel like before we can even think about holding more, mm-hmm. we want to hold what we have. So what what do you kind of say or share with somebody that knows that they're not able to hold what they want to receive? So first I want to, you said that we're not even able to hold what we have. And what I first want to invite people to do is take an inventory of what we're already having and what we're already holding. Because I think that a part of being selfish is honestly letting some of that go. What I think the pandemic did was um, really highlighted the areas of our lives where we were giving and it highlighted those cracks and it highlighted this point of we all needed to rest. So it was Mm -hmm. like this forced drawing in and doing an assessment of where you are. And so I think that that is the biggest piece of you may have to let go of a lot of pieces that are are really a big part of your identity. So for me personally, um, I'm a doer. Like I've always been, when I think about my life pre-pandemic, I was at work and then at something else, at yoga class, doing something else and was just exhausted by the end of the day and by the end of the week and didn't even really realize it because I was so accustomed to running at that rate. But Mm -hmm. during this time of drawing in and having to sit my butt down in the house for (laughs) almost two years, it got very clear that that actually isn't the lifestyle that I want. A lifestyle of ease and a lifestyle of being able to fill up my cup so that I can overflow into other people's lives is actually what I want and what I desire. And so when we really get honest with ourselves about where is this overworking coming from? Where is this idea and this concept that we can't pause and we can't take care of ourselves coming from? And what are the behaviors that we continue to perpetuate that really sustain these beliefs that we don't even want and we don't even want to hold anymore? And so when you talk about getting a new cup, I think a part of that new cup is really doing a shift in our identities around Who are we when we're actually resting? Who are we when we're actually taking care of? Who are we when we're actually pouring in ourselves? Because I imagine that those identities are going to be very different from the busy, overworking, keep pushing nature that we've had in the past. Mm -hmm. And so I would be remiss to not acknowledge that this, that push That thing that we have decided is a part of who and how we are that is tied to how much we can do, how much we can hold the I'm okay, I got it. I can do it. Don't worry about it. How while while nobody is exempt from this. And so I want to make sure anybody listening understands (laughs) if you identify, pick it up and take it. But that this is specifically geared toward black women because the amount that we will pick up and take uh, that we are doing that has been instilled in us, it, it, even going back beyond being yep. enslaved, but yep. not being able to be free and still figure out what does freedom mean for me? Uh-huh. Like, how is it that this specifically is something that's like that tap on the shoulder of black women? Can we, can we talk for a minute? Um, like let's really Let's really break down what's happening here. Absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head. I So I do trauma work. My my passion, my all of the things that I focus on are around trauma. And 
one of the things that I really do believe that Black women have experienced is this historical and this generational trauma that's essentially embedded in our DNA. And over all of these years, we have been expected to be the people who carry the village on our backs. We're the ones who have had to figure it out when there was nothing else that we had or there were no other resources. And we've always been the people, the group of people who have had to, whatever it is, we take it and we keep on kicking. We take it and then we go on to the next thing. And so those things have been passed down from generation to generation to generation over time. And I really honestly think that with the lack of access, the lack of resources that we generationally experience, we've had to develop these coping skills to be able to survive. So a part of, I think, the lack of self-care comes from a survival technique. It is all about how am I going to make it to the next day? How am I going to make it to my next meal? And even when we get out of that, so if you think about mindset shifts, if that was the way that we were raised, and that's kind of the way that we we um, generated these ideas about ourselves, how difficult it is, even when you're out of the situation, you're still functioning in the same way in that survival mode. And so for Black women in particular, getting stuck in survival, getting stuck in I have to, I have to make this work, even when that's no longer our experience, I've noticed that that is just a pattern that has been embedded in us from generations of trauma. It is absolutely embedded because the minute that you said it, I'm like, okay, I know what that feeling is. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it feels too comfortable. Yeah. And I'm being completely honest, which is is Mm kind of scary of like survival Mm -hmm. feels like the foundation. Like I'm used to this. I know what this is. I know what it is to, you know, work two and three jobs at a time. I know what Mm -hmm. it is to go on next to no sleep. I know Mm -hmm. what it is to prioritize the needs and wants of my children over my own more Mm -hmm. often than I'm proud of. I know what it is to prioritize the wellness of others that come to me that need something because who am I to say no? Who am Mm -hmm. I to not support you? And Mm -hmm. yet, you say self-care and the first thing I think, and, and this is the automatic response, mm-hmm. frivolous, not mm-hmm. necessary, mm-hmm. Um, spoiled, entitled. Mm-hmm. Who are you to think you can? And it's like, I don't, I don't like that that is how it feels. And even as someone that I know better, yeah. but that has nothing to do with that instinctual physiological response Mm -hmm. to something that, as you mentioned, has been passed down generation after generation. Yep. And I think, too, what you're speaking to is we've been conditioned because it has been passed down that way. We've been conditioned to have these automatic thoughts. What you're talking about is not uncommon at all. Like our first reaction is, No, that's selfish. No, that's frivolous. No, that's not necessary. But another layer of how I define selfishness is that it's not about, and this is not to say like, hey, if y'all love going to get your nails done, you love getting your manicures and pedicures and your massages, no, do that. Keep that up. But when I think about being selfish, I think of it as a lifestyle change that isn't necessarily just about these external um jazzing up and dolling up that we often associate self-care with. When I'm talking about self-care, I'm talking about 
are you sleeping? <laughs> right? right? Like, are you eating every day? Are you not just like ignoring the fact that your body is saying, hey, I'm hungry to keep working until midnight? Are you actually taking the time to take breaks in between your meetings as opposed to running from one thing to the next thing? Are you just spending a moment in the morning before the kids wake up just to breathe and exhale? So these very small um intentional things, maybe small in quantity, maybe even kind of free things are so accessible to us in terms of building up our reservoir and building, filling that cup up that don't require a lot from us. And it's those kinds of things that I think if we, if we did a little bit of reframing around what it actually means to take care of ourselves, and I liken it too, honestly, it, it, I love talking to parents about it because it really helps to um, give a good example of it because when you think of taking care of your baby, when mm-hmm. you think of taking care of your kids, it's not always, what is the fancy gift that I bought them? It's mm-hmm. honestly like financial blessings are not even the focus of it at all, but that emotional support, that mental care, that physical being there, that quality time. Can you take that, that same energy, the same energy you would apply to a child and give that to yourself. That is the core of self-care. Absolutely. I'm so glad you said that because I do think that this martyrdom exists, mm-hmm. obviously, within us as parents, but it exists for even those that do not have children or mm-hmm. are not a part of taking care of um, children currently, whether they're their own or others. Mm-hmm. It's just something that we are remembering, whether we enjoy it or not, what it is what it has been uh-huh. to have been the people that take care of others, uh-huh. what it was to be the one that fixed and, and, and was the go-to if something was wrong and there uh-huh. was just no respect with it. And so yeah. we don't even think about how it can be a level of disrespect that we can put on ourselves uh-huh. by downplaying our own wants, our own needs, or to decide that, you know, who am I to prioritize this? And it is something that as a parent, you know, it's definitely come up for me. And I want to, I want to give you two examples of how (laughs) I've tried to be better with this and didn't even realize that that was kind of what it was. And then I, if you're open to it, I'd love to hear um, two from you because I find that this kind of thing, like we, need examples. We need this to be modeled because it's really hard to wrap your head around an arbitrary concept that you've never, ever seen anyone like indulge in. Because the reality is, is that words like indulge feel bad. And it has been a conscious undoing for me because I'm like luxury and, and things that feel um, like an indulgence. Why not? I'm mm-hmm. worthy of those things. I deserve those things. Why does that make mm-hmm. me feel uncomfortable? And so therefore I'm like, no, I'm going to use it because I want to be more comfortable with it. I want to normalize it more. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things that came up for me. It was like I had, I moved last year and I, for whatever reason in my head, I was like, you know what? I want this specific type of robe that looks like <laughs> one of these almost like silky kimono-esque yes, types of things. Because for me, it symbolized being this grown woman, being comfortable in my skin, having something that felt good next to my skin and choosing this for myself. And so I found a company that I that was, first of all, ethical because I did not want somebody ripping off somebody else's culture being yes. like, here, buy this cheap thing. <laughs> and 
for me, it was one of those things that it reminds me when I put it on, like, hey, walk, walk just a little bit slower, mm-hmm. move with just a little more ease. That hurry, it's okay. It's it's not going anywhere. And I need those little reminders that hustle does not have to accompany every step I take. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of the things that I personally did for me that I found help. The other is this ongoing conversation that I have with my kids of when I need time. If I choose to sit by myself for a few minutes, if they have monopolized the television all day and I'm like, no, number one, you don't need to be on this all day. But number two, you know, mommy, mommy wants it or mommy would just like some quiet. I express to them when I need certain things and I remind them that it is, you know, preferred and safe if they so choose to do the same with me, because I can't tell them that I have decided it is safe for you. I am telling you that I'm willing to hold a safe space for you to do it. If you so choose to move into that space, because that was not something that was a dialogue when I was a kid, that was not a dialogue for most of us as, as children and Mm -hmm. reminding them that time alone is not a negative And it doesn't mean that I am saying, I don't want you here, but I just want me here. And talking through those things with them, not only for myself, but even for them. And so now it's, it's very comfortable for them to be like, mom, I think I just want to go sit by myself for a little while. Oh my goodness. And I, sometimes it's one of those things that I'm almost like, my kid just mm-hmm. my kid mm-hmm. just managed me out the room, but thank you. I'm so happy you did mm-hmm. because I want you to become an adult that is willing to own your own mm-hmm. autonomy and space, and to know that you can and you should. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. an ongoing thing. But I, I, I see. I, I, I knew that this was a thing before I knew it was yeah. a thing. So I'm glad that you language that it's a thing. Yes, <laughs> and like. Those types of things are, it feels like just a, a constant reprogramming. Absolutely. 100%. And let me just say first, how full it makes my heart to hear you having those conversations with your children. Because one of the things that I notice is that we don't have role models of self-care. We didn't, we were not raised just seeing people take care of themselves and indulge and luxuriate. Like we didn't have those models. So for you to be able to show your children and explain to them in a way that is understandable and gives them and empowers them, honestly, to make similar decisions as they are going through their lives. I just can't wait to see what, if we embrace this in our generation and teach this to the future generation, I'm just so excited to see what that's going to look like for them. And I just, I can't wait to see it. So thank you for doing that and sharing that. A couple of examples for me, one of the best things that I ever did was turn off notifications on my phone. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Oh, let me tell y'all, turning off my email notifications to where I don't know that I got email until I actually opened the app was literally life-changing for me. 
it has been so relieving because the notifications and whether it's on a subtle level or on a like very explicit level, it just raises your anxiety. It's like, what do I have to do? What do I need to respond to? Who needs me? Who wants something from me? And so the peace that comes from just like seeing it be clear, like I'm the type of person that I can't, I know it's two camps of people, the people that can have thousands of notifications on their phone and ignore them. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> that, that person. Not me either. No. <laughs> I am not. I need my notifications to be clear. So yes. every time I look at my email and my little app, it does not have any notifications on it because my notifications are turned off. It feels amazing. Um, so that is a like a small, very accessible thing for a lot of people. Take your work email off your phone if you need to. Um, and if you can, I don't want to, you know, People might have to, but if you can do that, I think the other thing for me is, um, and a lot of, I guess a lot of my <laughs> selfishness around my phone is I put, um, I schedule my do not disturb. Mm-hmm. So uh, my phone goes on silent at nine o'clock and does not come back off of silent until 8 a.m. And so generally speaking for those 11 hours, if you need something for me, you better be on your deathbed calling in an emergency. How many times did I have to call? Like two times to get the <laughs> Right. Otherwise, I don't know anything about it. And it just really gives me a peace of mind to know that I don't have to be attached to the world. I don't have to be attached to everything. Um, and so like those, when I relieved myself of those things, it really just changed the game for me entirely. That's huge because the interesting thing is I have recorded a podcast that hasn't gone live yet, but I specifically talked about the fact of how urgency is a tool Mm. of white supremacy. Mm. Oh, And so when we have this constant, you have a phone and so therefore this is your electronic Mm. leash and I need to be Mm. able to contact Mm. you at any moment about anything and you need to be available. Mm. That feels like that urgency popping up. And it's like, no, is it really urgent? Pause for a second. Question, (laughs) is this urgent? Mm -hmm. And probably not. No. Right. Right. And I think that that undermines Mm -hmm. our self-care and our mental wellness because there's this, it's it's almost like every time it goes off, like I remember Mm -hmm. there was um, a point to where like my, text messages would go off and like my, my body would restrict and I was like oh <sighs> what does somebody want what do they need yep I was like oh I don't yeah I don't want to feel like this I don't like how this feels this is I can't support anybody because I can't take care of myself feeling like this absolutely people think they know what to expect but they haven't met you yet Bi-weekly, India Jackson, co-founder of Pause on the Play, has conversations exploring branding and visibility. Own your values and amplify your influence by giving the Flaunt Your Fire podcast a follow today. In order to be able to decide what selfish means for you and how you can actually bring that into your values and have it intersect, you have to first know what they are. You have to take a pause to be able to get clear on how to lead through your values, how to be explicit about what you support and how your actions are aligned with that. Everything you do in your business, everything you do in your life, all of those actions can bring you closer or further away from your values. 
this just highlights why it's so necessary to get clear on where you're putting your efforts and why. These are the decisions that will ultimately shape the outcomes that you want, or maybe some of the ones you don't. So let's make sure we craft it with intention so that you can sign up today for your From Implicit to Explicit Masterclass so Indiana and I can support you with your values. Go on over to pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit. We're waiting on you. So if we go back to an earlier question of like, how do we start to unlearn this? How do we start reprogramming? It's noticing those things. So if you're able to just slow down enough, and I even love like pause on the play, right? Pause is one of my favorite words. If you're able to pause and notice, you'll notice the things that you need to adjust and change in your life. If you get activated and feel restricted and constricted every time you get a text message on your phone, that is letting you know something, but it also taps into this pressure that we feel to always be on and respond to everyone else's needs except our own. So if you think about that just natural reaction of what does this person need from me, that is a, that is a sign that we're over giving to other people and not giving enough to ourselves. Oof. So, of course, in my head, I'm thinking, you know, this I feel like it's an ongoing thing of trying to remind people that you don't always have to try to give to others so much that you're at a deficit. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And so it, it, it needs to be, it needs to be screaming from mountaintops. It doesn't need to just be said, like it needs to be on a megaphone all day, every day. And I would love to know what it is about really just needing to remind, again, especially Black women, that there is a huge case for you being selfish that actually benefits you and those around you. How did that become something that became such an integral part of what you do? Oh, well, in a lot of ways, there, well, let's see. So there are a few ways that this started to play out for me. One, um, I've been in the field doing therapy for about a decade at this point. And I would be painfully aware of how Black women would come and sit across from me and would constantly tell me, well, if I set this boundary with this person or if I tell them no, then they're going to be bad at me and that's going to that's gonna hurt their feelings, it's going to hurt me. So I can't do that. I can't take care of myself because that's selfish. I'm working myself into the ground for this job that doesn't even value me and doesn't give me credit at all. And so I'm depressed and I'm not sleeping at night and I'm feeling anxious all the time. Like this was a constant narrative that I was being exposed to. And so once I got to a place where I actually was ready to talk about it, I developed a platform around the art of being selfish. And it's a little play on the word of it because it's, I don't like the idea that when we talk about being selfish, it does have this negative connotation to it. And it does inspire guilt and make people feel bad around it. And so I really wanted to just talk about how we can start making these lifestyle changes so that we can unload this burden that we carry to have to take care of everyone else. And so that was kind of the first um, like clinical piece that came up for me. And then because I think as a therapist, like um, my clients tend to hold a mirror up to me and show me (laughs) the areas of my life that I need to get together. And so I started to be painfully aware again of 
how I was playing out those similar narratives in my own life. And there were a few experiences that came up in my life where I had to really sit down and say, oh, no, you keep um, running yourself ragged. One time I ended up in the hospital and no one could actually tell me like what was actually happening. And I knew it was just that I wasn't taking care of myself. And so one of the reasons that I stand on this mantle so hard is that I don't want that to have to be people's stories, that you have to end up in the hospital, that you have to go have a doctor tell you, I have no idea what's going on with you. It's probably stress. That I don't want that to be the wake up call for people. And mm-hmm. so I just feel really passionate about, like you said, yelling it from the mountaintops that this is actually an integral part of your life that is necessary to live and not just survive, but to thrive and to be able to have the life that you desire and you deserve. You have to start with pouring into yourself first. Ooh, child. <laughs> <laughs> All that. And as you said it, like I have had those times where I have either had illness pop up and it's like, oh, you you are going to rest whether you want to or not. Yep. And I've also had the, mm, I really don't know what's wrong with you. So therefore I don't know what to tell you to do. I don't know what to tell you to change. Good luck. Mm-hmm. And being that so often people of color, especially black people are conditioned to think that mental health mm is a weakness. Like if you need to go talk to somebody, what's wrong with you? Why can you not deal with it? Look at everybody over there. See, they're fine. They can deal with it. No, they, they not. I'm going to say probably not fine at all. No, no. And not, and none of us, and the the person that's saying it to you is not fine either, but it's because of the fact that what the word fine, Mm. like how it's being portrayed and what it actually is, are two very different things. Mm-hmm. And so we're put in this place of not even being able to acknowledge it until we have a true medical reason why, and then somebody mm-hmm. will listen, even if they don't give yeah. you the answer that you want. It takes for you to be physically ill mm-hmm. to figure out, hey, something's not okay, and I need to do something different. We have to find a necessary motivation to pause before our bodies force us to. Yes. Yes. Like it is not, it is not preferable. It's not admirable. There's like, there's no badge of honor for working yourself into the ground, for worrying yourself into the ground. 100%. We need to put that up somewhere. You don't get a trophy. No. Or being the person that works the hardest. Like you really don't. And you might get those accolades and you might get celebrated at work for being the hardest worker. Like you may get those, um, I guess, external awards and acknowledgements. But I really encourage people to tune back in. Because if you're getting these external rewards and those are the only things that are filling you up, what is happening when those go away? And I say when because you're not always going to get those. And so when those go away, what are you left with? And if the only thing that you're left with is insomnia, anxiety, stress, overwhelm, doctors telling you they don't know what's going on, if that's all that you're left with, if you're left with a shell of yourself, I really have to ask, was it worth it? 
And the answer is generally absolutely not. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. That is not the swag bag you want to take with you. No, thank you. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) No, thank you. Uh So I have come into this new year really wanting to because I don't, I don't tend to pick a word of the year. I tend to try to figure out what it is that I want to embody, but I give myself the space to allow that word to evolve, um, particularly on like a quarterly basis, because like where I am in the very, say, beginning of the year is not necessarily the same as the middle of the year or the end of the year. A lot of times the middle of the year, I'm like, where's the time off? Where's the rest? Because everybody else is not going vacation and have me back here working all this time. and I don't ever shut off. And so one of the words that's come up for me, and I've actually already seen it, um, really show up as something that's supporting other people has been demonstrate. Oh, because we have all these things that we're doing and it's like, are you demonstrating what it is that you actually want to show off? Are you actually yeah. demonstrating your values in action? Yeah. Are you demonstrating an example that you would want to actually watch someone act out? Yeah. Or do you need to maybe reevaluate? And and really see where you can 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 shift or course correct or just check in with why am I here in this moment? And so I would love for you to, as we begin to move toward wrapping up, share, you know, what is one action that you think maybe you would want to suggest that people can do? Because this is me suggesting what I am finding right now in this moment. This might be different tomorrow. But (laughs) right now is really helping me to check in. But as the as the mental health professional in the room, I'm going <laughs> to defer to you. So if you were to kind of suggest an action step for people, what would it be yeah. by keeping in mind that the case for being selfish is actually not selfish at all? Um, well, uh, yes. Oh, I'm going to have to steal that tagline. Steal it. It's but I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge folks, and I know that the word that I'm going to say is kind of like a cuss word with people. But I'm really gonna challenge people in 2022, and that word and that demonstration, that action, is set boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That is like if there is one thing that I could teach some folks, it is all about setting boundaries, and what that looks like is. Checking in with yourself when someone asks you to do something, and if the answer is no, letting the answer be no without there being explanation or um, guilt around it. You don't have to be available all the time. You don't have to be the one that is always there for every single thing. You don't need to be working all hours of the night. Like. If you need, like you said earlier, if you need a moment, if you need some alone time, whether that's from your children, whether that's from your partner, whether that's from your pet, go somewhere else, take a break, take a breather, give yourself space to get away, give yourself permission to get away, but set the boundaries around your life that do not keep people out, but show people, demonstrate to people how you want to be treated because of how you treat yourself. So I know it's hard. I know that y'all even just probably hearing the word boundaries, people are getting uncomfortable, getting tight. I know. 
But I am saying, do it. You will, it gets easier over time. It will be probably difficult if you've never told people no before. But over time with the practice and the compassion, and I've also heard this recently, and I, I wish I could give credit to who I heard it from, but I can't think of where I heard it from. But I've heard about um, when you set boundaries with someone, say it in the way that you would want someone to say it to you. And that typically helps to take some of the sting out of it. And so you can't get it right all the time. People are still going to be offended if they're going to be offended. But if you lead with that compassion, you will likely have the success that you need and it will get easier over time. Yes, that. Because (laughs) it has been conscious work for me with boundaries and reminding others and reminding them to stick to it, Uh, um, even with me. and. I think that that is not easy when you were not socially conditioned to have boundaries and you were actually reprimanded for having boundaries. How dare you tell me no? How dare you not help me? Who do you think you are? And this is, I feel like this is a great call for people to not only do it for themselves, but to also check where maybe they're not holding boundaries for others. Because, it's not always like if you're if you feel like you're the person whose boundaries are always being violated, then yeah. I think it's worthwhile to acknowledge, am I possibly violating boundaries somewhere? Because there's some Ooh. indignant stuff popping up and I <laughs> might need to look a little deeper because that's a thing. And it's it's like and funny, uh, funny enough, I have that conversation with my kids because like I grew up with this thing being passed down again generationally of like you know, you're supposed to be the person that does all the things. And they are things that I tell my kids, I'm like, no, you can do this for yourself because I don't want to teach my children to go and find somebody else to simply do everything for them because my mother did it. So now somebody else needs to, I, (laughs) this sounds terrible. I don't want (laughs) to raise my children to be somebody else's burden one day. Um, that does not sound terrible. I think that's (laughs) excellent. I don't, I'm like, you need to figure out what it is to be, you can be interdependent on one another because that's a societal thing, but you do need to be able to take care of yourself. And so in the same way that I'm telling you that I can't be responsible for everything, I also want you to be able to figure out where you have boundaries with me of things that you would do or don't want me to do. One day my son said something and I, I honored that. And he was like, thank you for listening to my request. I was like, Oh, (laughs) I just adore your kids. (laughs) And so like, yeah, I think really paying attention to and putting just a little more love into not only creating these boundaries, but maintaining them for yourself as an act of love. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. And just. I just really want to reiterate what you're saying. Um, and even for the people who don't have children, like don't tune out and think this doesn't apply to you because it applies to anybody that you're interacting with. And maybe you'll be the only person ever in their lives to set boundaries or to honor their boundaries. And that is such a life changing, transformative experience when you can be honored in your boundaries and you can honor other people's boundaries. I think it just creates this sense of, like you said, an interdependence, but also this just responsibility that we have mm-hmm. of being human beings in this world. <laughs> like, yes. 
it just it just means so much. So I just encourage us all to practice it because boundaries are actually a really good thing and they're not as horrible. I mean, honestly, if we talk about being selfish, we could also make a case for boundaries too. So maybe that'll have to be our next episode. I was getting ready to say, I am here to have that conversation too, because I do think being able to talk about like what boundaries are, what they aren't, mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. where they are not what we've been conditioned to believe they are. Because that's mm-hmm. a whole mm-hmm. other conversation. That cool. I, child, I can go Yeah, on. exactly. <laughs> I'm like, we don't have enough time for that today. <laughs> I know. So yes, I'm going to have to have you come back because yes, I do want to yeah. talk about that because I think there's, there's a lot to go into with that. And I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of areas that people maybe just, they haven't processed it in this way mm-hmm. or given themselves the, the, the freedom to mm-hmm. even consider that they have access to it. Absolutely. Give yourself the permission. Absolutely. Absolutely. So before we go, you have to make sure that you tell people where they can find you, where they can learn more about you. If people are located in the Atlanta area, Black women, please go find her. Yes, 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 definitely. Um, So I have a group therapy practice in Georgia. We actually serve the entire state of Georgia. So even if you just want to sit on your computer and get some therapy in, we have access for that over the whole state. Um, we can be found at www.worthwisdomwellness.com. We have six different clinicians on staff. We are all EMDR trained, which is just a specialized trauma treatment. So we really focus on trauma. We focus on perfectionism. We offer faith-based services. If you are a Christian or a believer and you want something special for your mental health treatment, we have that too. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram at Worth Wisdom Wellness if you just want some daily wellness motivation. We talk about all these same things on our Instagram page, and we would just be happy to see y'all. <laughs> amazing, amazing. All of the links mentioned will be in the show notes so that you can learn more about Marquata, the amazing clinicians that work with her. And honestly, any opportunity to take the stigma out of mental health, mm-hmm. I am a on board for. So for you taking the time today to pause and come have this conversation and for the fact that you're coming back because I'm bringing you back. (laughs) (laughs) I want to thank you so, so much, Marquetta. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for championing breaking the stigma around mental health because we are definitely on the same page around that. So thank you for having me. Told you that conversation was good. Oh my gosh. I cannot wait to dig more into boundaries. And I feel like it makes perfect sense that we started with the case for being selfish because this helps you to remember that again, it's not selfish to be selfish. This is about making sure that you have what you need in order to do the things that you want to do, that you can make choices that come from a place of being full and not depleted. And I love the fact that Marquetta mentioned that she learns from her clients, because honestly, anybody that is supporting others, whether it's through mental health, whether it's coaching, whether it's consulting, whatever it is, guess what? We learn from you if we are the types of people that stay in a place of wanting to be open and that remember, we don't know it all. We know what we know, but we know that there's always more to know. And so I think that there's such beauty in being open and transparent and willing in that way to grow and evolve. So I think that, you know, just kind of prompting you to check in with your boundaries, how it is that it is supporting 
or not supporting so well the possibility of you being able to be more selfish in order to better take care of yourself. I think that was such a great prompt. And I'm so glad that Marquardt bought that. So I want you to keep that in mind. I want you to remind those around you that, hey, you can do the same because we help each other when we do better in these ways. I'm telling you, these are the types of ways that modeling this for each other and holding each other accountable to do better. This is a part of how we all help each other. That interdependence that I talked about, we all need that. And that's a huge part of being able to support one another. So for being here, for taking in this conversation that I had, for being open to what we talked about and contemplating how you can do it differently, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for being willing to be a part of crossing lines and recreating boundaries so that we can support together and not separate. Together, we can continue getting people to drop the veil while challenging their thoughts, feelings, and actions. So till the next time, Keep the dialogue going. Bye. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity and what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?